When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, at Christmas time, we often focus on the wise men and uh, their long, long journey to see the baby Jesus. We talk about how they worshiped him and the significance of the three gifts. And, and that makes sense to talk about all of those things. Uh, I mean, that's part of the main focus of the story of the Magi. But there's a part of the story that we don't really talk about. And it's just a tiny little mention right after their visit with the baby Jesus. In the last sentence of the story, it, it, it says something. It says something important. It says that they decided not to go back, having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. That may seem like an insignificant little detail that got thrown in there, but think of it this way. The Magi had a plan. Their plan was to travel all this distance, to find the Messiah, to give him gifts, to turn around and go home the way they came. Quickest, easiest way to go is right back on the same route they took getting there. I mean, that way they know where all the gas stations are, they know where the Cracker Barrel is, the Chick-fil-A, you know, they know all the important places along the route, right? So it, it made sense for them to go right back the same way that they came in. But the scriptures say that they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Well, Herod was on a campaign, wasn't he? He was on a campaign to eliminate any of the competition, especially those who might be king in his place. And he had asked the Magi when he had first met them to come back when they found the baby Jesus, when they found the Messiah, to come back and to tell him where he was. Well, we know why he wanted to do that. He wanted to get rid of him. But the Magi acted on the dream that God had given them. And they changed their travel plans. And, and they went home a different way. And think about it. I mean, this is a tiny little detail, but it's pretty significant. They went home a different way to save the life of the baby Jesus. Because Herod surely would have made a beeline straight for Bethlehem if they'd gone back and told him the information about where Jesus was. Sometimes in our lives we have sudden changes that may become important and necessary. And some of those changes might be very difficult, but being willing to change when necessary can be life-altering. Like the wise men, you know, something you do may change the path of your life uh, the one that you're on, and, and your life and the lives of the people around you, they might be significantly affected. You know, in those times, it's good to keep uh, three ideas, three things in mind um, that are part of this story, divine, decide, and dedicate. The wise men had a divine dream. They had a dream from God calling them to change their mind about how to go home. Now, this was not their safety that was what was in mind. Uh, it wasn't for prosperity. Uh, it was to further God's divine plan to keep Jesus safe. 
they had to decide if they're going to follow this divine intervention or just ignore it, make it an afterthought. I mean, after all, nobody in history would blame them. Nobody uh, would look back and judge them for having gone back the way that they came in the first place. And we're pretty sure that God would have found a way to figure out to protect the holy family no matter what the wise men did. But their dedication to their decision, prompted by this divine dream, gave them a kind of place of honor for obedience in Scripture. We remember them, uh, even though they're not a really big part of the story. But there are some pretty big things that are part of that story. You know, the Bible is filled with people who had to change their minds about all kinds of things. Uh, think about Lot. You know, Lot changed his mind about where he was going to live. And that was a good move because real estate prices were about to fall. And he followed some divine direction and he made a change. Jonah changed his mind about where he'd go. I mean, there was a little divine intervention there too, right in the middle of his cruise. And that put him on the shores of Nineveh eventually. Inside the belly of the fish, he changed his mind about running from God, and he repented, and he became willing to obey God. And that's a really smart move, unless you really like sushi. So, This same kind of thing happens in the New Testament countless times. People change their minds when they encounter Jesus, don't they? Or don't we? Today I want to compare and contrast two other people who were called to change their minds in the New Testament, uh, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Now, the rich young ruler, um, the story in Luke 18 says that a rich young ruler, a young man, comes to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Well, all these things I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, just one chapter later, we get the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. In Luke 19, we see him uh, getting ready to change his mind. He gets a call to change his too. Jesus walks into town one day, and a big crowd forms, and Zacchaeus is short, and he really wants to see what's going on, and he climbs up a tree so he can see. And wouldn't you know it, he's up in the tree, and Jesus, Jesus sees him right off the bat. Uh, he sees the wee little man that we sing about sometimes and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
So you have these two men, right? Two men, they have two choices to make. Each one has a choice to make, and, and each one chooses differently. Both were challenged by Jesus to change their minds about things, to alter the path of their journey. On this side of the history, it's really easy for us to see them a little bit differently than they were. But consider this. You know, the rich young ruler, here's a guy who is a wonderfully religious person. Uh, all you got to do is ask him, and he'll tell you. He followed the rules, and he honored God with his life. And it seems he wanted to ensure that he was doing everything right to gain eternal life. He was the young man that, hey, this is the one I want my daughter to marry. You know, He's the one who looked good, had all his ducks in a row, it seemed. Uh, he was the young man who parents hoped their children would grow up to become. Well, at the opposite end of the spectrum is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and, and like the apostle Matthew, he was considered a traitor to his own people. And by all accounts, he, he was not religious. He cheated people out of their money. He partnered with Rome to extort God's people. He was not well-liked. <laughs> if your daughter brought Zacchaeus home, it is possible you wouldn't let him in the house. That's the kind of guy he was. Tax collectors were considered so bad that we even have an example in Scripture of a religious person praying in Luke 18. He says, Lord, thank you that I am not like this tax collector. That's how bad tax collectors were. So we might say that the rich young ruler was the church-going guy, and Zacchaeus was not. He was the unchurched guy. Now let's compare the stories. The wise men, of course, had a divine dream. But the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus both had a direct invitation from the divine Son of God to engage with him. A direct invitation. He was right there. And he was inviting them to change their minds. Jesus tells the rich young ruler to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Jesus knows that money has a real hold on this guy's heart. Jesus would love for this guy to join the caravan. In fact, many people believe that, that this young man was actually being invited to join and become the next disciple, to be the 13th disciple. The words Jesus uses here are identical to words he used to call other apostles. And so it's a very real possibility that that was the case. But Jesus knows that to follow him you have to make a choice. You can't really serve two masters. In fact, at one point he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other one. You cannot serve both God and money. So he's calling this young man to change his mind about money. You know, it's, he says, take your money. What does he say to do with it? Don't throw it away. Give it away. Give it to the poor. Instead of serving money, he wants money to serve others in this young man's life. He's trying to get him to see money as a tool uh, to help bring some healing and some help into other people's lives. And, and he needs to let go of hanging on to money too tightly if he's going to follow Jesus. In Zacchaeus' case... Jesus tells the man, 
I must stay at your house. Jesus is well aware that Zacchaeus also serves money. But, but there's a difference between these two men. The first man already thinks of himself as part of God's family. He already thinks of himself as somebody who's, who's made it, who's an in person, who's got it. He's, he's part of the group. He's in with his tribe. But Zacchaeus feels on the outside. And, and he's been rejected by everyone. He feels like a lone ranger in life. Jesus is calling Zacchaeus to change his mind about who he is and about who Jesus really is. And he says, come down. Now, that command or invitation to come down, it's not just about where Zacchaeus is in the tree. It's a little more than that. It's about where he thinks he is in life, where he lives. And Jesus issues this divine call. So we have two men with a divine call to change their minds about who they are and what they serve. Just as the wise men had to make a decision about changing their path, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus both have to decide if they will change their lives. Jesus gives that rich young man, that, that ruler, a divine calling. And the Bible says, Jesus' invitation made him sad Change is difficult. We know that. Uh, in Celebrate Recovery, one of the sayings we have is our desire to change has to be greater than our desire to stay the same. You know, we see a lot of changed lives. We see a lot of people who get to that point. You know, some people call that rock bottom. <laughs> but we have to get to that point where we see the need to change greater than our desire to stay the same. Even to this day, have you noticed we, we identify this person in the Bible as the rich young ruler? We don't even give this guy a name. And the reason we don't give him a name is because he's not there long enough to get one. He's, he's in the story, and then he himself walks out of the story, even though he's given the invitation. So he doesn't even get a name. He found his identity in his stuff. He found his identity in his status, but he wasn't finding his identity in Jesus. Jesus is essentially telling him here, if you want to find eternal life, then you're going to have to find your identity in me. This is a call to actual change, to real change. And it's not just words. And it'll change how he lives and who he associates with and how others will see him. If he says, okay, it'll change everything. But he doesn't really seem to think about it at all. He just, almost immediately, he makes a decision. And that's the root of this immediate sorrow that he has. He's not sad that Jesus invited him. He's sad because he's already decided he can't change. In contrast, Jesus gives Zacchaeus a divine calling, and the Bible says he came down at once and he welcomed him. Sometimes change is so exciting that we don't even have to think about its implications. John Maxwell says that a person really only changes for one of two reasons. He says you hurt so bad that you have to change, or you see something so desirable 
that you want to change. What it was, yeah, it's like he is seeing. He was seeing something that he really wanted to change to and for. As Zacchaeus was shimmying down the tree, he probably had no idea how this simple decision was going to be so life-altering. One yes to Jesus was going to change the whole direction of Zacchaeus' life for the whole rest of his life. This decision was going to change the way he lives, how people see him, who he spends his time with. It'll change his politics. It'll change his theology. And I know we we like to think that he decided to say yes to Jesus and that immediately after that, that things were infinitely better, that everything changed and it was all sunny in Philadelphia. But Jesus himself said to his followers, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, while we hold on to Jesus' overcoming of the world, and as we should, we also shouldn't miss the first part of that message in that passage. Zacchaeus' decision to invite Jesus into his home was also an invitation for everything that goes along with that. It's an invitation for the challenges and the troubles that being a follower of Jesus could be. And he's going to have to learn, if he takes that role, to live with a little less income. A little less influence and political power. His decision for more Jesus may just cause him to have less of other things. But Zacchaeus is willing to make the change while the rich young ruler isn't. A lot of translations say that the rich young ruler went away sad. One says he went away gloomy. But the word here in Mark 10, 22 is actually the word for grieving. If we were to read it like this, the, the man's face fell. He went away grieving because he had great wealth. Grieving is more than just sad. He didn't have to go away that way. But apparently he was dedicated to the decision not to change his mind about how he found his identity. He was dedicated to continue to live in the way that he had been living instead of following Jesus. Well, I don't know about you, but I know this has been true in my life, and, and I think that probably most of us have been here in some way. We've all had the moments when our journey finds us on a road to regret, you know, where we look back at something and some decision that we made and and, uh, you know, those, many of those regretful decisions we've made are tied to the fact that we were not necessarily willing to change our minds about something. That often is what happens. And even now while we're talking, maybe you're being reminded of, of something you wish you could go back and change if you had the opportunity rather than stay the same. We've tasted maybe a little bit of the rich young ruler's grief. But maybe like him, we chose to stay the same, to not make the change that we knew was necessary in order for us to grow in Jesus or to go forward in our lives or to even see our marriages thrive. On the other hand, we have Zacchaeus. He's the poster child. He's the, the poster child of dedication to changing your mind. I mean, look at 
his dedication. Look at what he does. It says, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. That's dedication. Sometimes we forget that dedication is costly. And right up front, right at the beginning of his encounter with Jesus, something's obviously happened because he's giving away half of everything he has. Now, this isn't an obligation that someone told him he had to do. This is an offering. He's making an offering to God out of his heart. It's not being given to people he owes, but to people in need. He started to understand that money is a tool, not a treasure. And if giving away half of it and giving it to the poor isn't dedication enough, then he says, well, everybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them four times what I cheated them from. I think, I think we love this story. I think even from the time we're kids, sometimes we love this story about the wee little man, right? We celebrate Zacchaeus. But his story isn't just here so we can cheer him on, much as we want to do that. He's setting an example of just how costly dedication to change can be when we choose to follow Christ. We see two men, both with a divine calling to change their minds about really big things in life. And they made decisions that would affect the path that they took on their journey of life. Both of them experienced the cost of being dedicated to their decision. And in the end, one went away incredibly sad, and the other, it seems, incredibly happy. I want to close with the words of another wise man. These words from the Apostle Paul. Paul said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let me ask you, what are the patterns of your world? We usually take this scripture and only apply it to the secular, to that outside the church, but what about in our circles? What about where we live? All of us have a divine calling in some way, every one of us. Not just pastors, preachers, nuns, priests, special calling people. No, everyone, everyone in Christ has a calling from Christ to follow him and to be engaged in what he assigns for you to do in your life. And I ask you, how is God speaking to you? How is he speaking to you about your life? You ever stop and just listen and... Say, hey, God, what do you want to speak into my life? What do you want to say? It might be different than you suppose. What if you reconsidered how you make your decisions? What if you always, in every decision, went to God first and started there? Uh, how would that impact you, your family, your church, your work, your friends? Would it make a difference? In this passage, Paul uses a word that's translated as renewing, the renewing of the minds. But it can also be translated like this, 
a change of heart and life. I think that's a better translation. Some things are worth changing for. Jesus calls people to change their minds often in the New Testament, uh, then their hearts alongside it. You know, you're hearing Jesus preaching things like, you've heard it said, but I say. You know, Jesus takes something that they've heard and kind of turns it on its head sometimes. You were taught to think and act and do something this way, but I'm calling you to change your mind about it and go that way. You see that from Jesus all the time. See it in the Sermon on the Mount. In the church, it's real easy for us to get stagnant and for us to avoid change. There's great comfort in staying the same. I get that. But there are times when change is needed. And it could be something as simple as changing the direction of your journey home, like the wise men did. Or it could be as complicated as changing your mind about where you find your identity. Do you find your identity, who you are? Do you find that? In the world around you? Do you find it in your stuff? In the money you're able to make? In the status that you might have? Or do you find that in Jesus, your identity? Wise men and wise women still seek Jesus above everything else. And from time to time, they need to make their mind change. They need to make a change. And that might alter their journey in this life. So if faced with that, I pray that God of peace, uh, that he will teach us when to change and when it's time to stay the same. And that when God calls us to change, that we would be willing to go wherever God leads, as so many have in this Christmas story that we've been sharing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we seek direction from you. You are our divine God. And we seek relationship with Jesus, the divine Son of God. Speak into our lives in a way that we understand. And in a way that we understand that it's you speaking to us. Lord, if you call us into something new, into some new direction... Change our hearts to align with you. Help us be willing to change as needed to further your will. And Lord, give us the courage to make sacrifice when such a thing is needed to more closely follow your steps. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.